passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to your post-daily news show for Friday, May the 20th. I am John Pollock, joined by WrestleNomics' own Brandon Thurston. We put out the bat signal on Thursday night. We knew that we had to bring Brandon in. Uh, Wei Ting is producing this show, so we, we will see if, uh, if Wei Ting... He's, he's lurking he's, in the shadows. He's somewhere. lurking, yes. He's I saw him earlier. Lurker today, yes. Um, but the big question is, where is Stephanie McMahon Levesque going? That was the question many, many people had after... Maybe the most uh, noteworthy tweet from a WWE individual this this year, posting on Thursday at 4.30 Eastern time. Uh, interesting time to put this news out. As of tomorrow, I am taking a leave of absence from the majority of my responsibilities at WWE. WWE is a lifelong legacy for me, and I look forward to returning to the company that I love after taking this time to focus on my family. And with that, I think everyone was... Uh, you know, this is a very easy tweet to certainly uh, fuel uh, enormous speculation when you're talking about such a high-ranking, front-facing executive for your company. In many ways, in the absence of uh, Vince McMahon involved, or lack thereof, on, on a public level, uh, Stephanie McMahon and, to a lesser degree, Nick Khan have become really the, the faces of the company. So, uh, Brandon, you have done a, a lot of reporting already on this Um what can you share uh, thus far from what you have learned of what this means in the immediate uh, future for WWE and where these responsibilities are going to be uh, divided to? Yeah, when you asked me to, to come on the show today, like when you asked me yesterday, I had not seen yet uh, Stephanie's tweet. I figured, oh, I don't know. He just wants to talk about wrestling business, I guess. And then, but then minutes later, I, I did see your tweet. You're, you're um, my go-to, Brandon. Like That's how quick I'm working here. But So what, what I know so far is that Nick Khan, who, of course, is the president and chief revenue officer of WWE, he's going to be taking over most of Stephanie's duties. Stephanie's title is chief brand officer, if you're just joining us. Um, Stephanie's going to remain a member of the board of directors. She's been a member of the board of directors since 2015. She, there's, so if people aren't familiar with what the board of directors is comprised of, it's, it's made up of some WWE executives, but also some people who are not who do not work with WWE full-time, but work like, for example, Erica Nardini, who's the CEO of Barstool Sports. She is a member, an independent member of the board of directors. But Stephanie continues to be a member of the board of directors, I'm told. Uh, business partners were contacted yesterday, or at least select business partners were contacted, and, and were, they, uh, they were informed that Nick Khan would be overseeing uh, most of her responsibilities. Uh, as of just a little while ago, I asked, and I, I've heard that there's no company-wide message yet that's been put out to employees. Uh, employees found out about this news when she tweeted it. She tweeted it uh, on Twitter, and I and she uh, shared this, I believe, same message on LinkedIn. Also, she's quite active on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, I've um, 
I've been told, you know, by, by WWE that she's just been working really hard for a long time. Uh, it seems that Paul Levesque's health played into this as well. Uh, but that's all we really know. We know that Paul Levesque appeared at the annual shareholders meeting that wasn't like on the investor relations website visible to everybody. Uh, but Slam Wrestling did have a report of someone from someone who watched it. It was, it was a virtual uh, shareholders meeting. Uh, and Paul Levesque participated in that shareholders meeting. So he's, you know, it seems to be working regularly and I'm told he's working full time. He's not back to overseeing NXT in Orlando like he used to, but he's, he's working as an executive again. No. And that's all consistent with what, what I heard. Like I, I reached out to people at WWE, some of whom I, I did not get responses with, one of which uh, I was alerting them for the first time about this Stephanie news and the same this morning. Um, they, they had not gotten any, uh, company wide message. And I, I just find that interesting in the sense that here is a, a major executive and the, the company has not issued any kind of press release or anything, uh, to, to that degree. And it's, it's a pretty sizable news that you can go to their corporate site and you would have no knowledge of this beyond this tweet. Yeah, and I can contrast it against the, the, the cardiac event that W disclosed that Paul Levesque had in September. They put out a press release in September, uh, when, when, when that, I don't know. I don't know when exactly he had started to have his health issues, but they put out a press release in September. Uh, from an investor point of view, Paul Levesque is not as high profile a person as Stephanie is, and from a business partner standpoint, um, but we still have no uh, message here yet, uh, either to employees overall or or a press release beyond her her social media posts. Uh, one uh, excerpt from uh, today's Wrestling Observer newsletter: uh, Dave Meltzer writes. Uh, most talent were, uh, sorry, most talent and those in the office and creative didn't know about it until they heard she tweeted it. There were definitely a few people who knew and knew the background, but they weren't saying much. Past there was more to it, but the basic reasons given were not inaccurate. The part about leaving to focus on her family is definitely part of it. It was obviously a tough year with Paul Levesque being out for so long, and she had to pick up a lot of his responsibilities and obviously had to deal from a family standpoint with his health issues. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting in, in many different uh, regards, Brandon. Number one is the fact that Nick Khan, who I would imagine already has a pretty sizable plate of responsibilities, is now going to be, at least in the interim, uh, taking on more. And this is you know, the advertising and sponsorship area of the company. That has really been Stephanie's area and one that they have earmarked for big growth over the next several years. So... Like, I would assume as, you know, you're a stockholder, you're at least left with that, that question of, is this, uh, what, what, how, if this was a plan for, this did not come out of nowhere. That's what it sounds like. And just having more of a plan moving forward, like, yes, this is a, this is a shift temporarily, but this is the placement that we have. This is the, the order of delegation. And this is our, we are not going to skip a beat. And there's been none of that. Yeah, the, the the timing is conspicuous in that this happens at the end of the week that there were upfronts for Fox and NBC Universal, which of course are the broadcasters of Raw and SmackDown. Um, maybe uh, you know they, they just wanted to get th- through this week that which is very important for making this presentation to uh, advertisers and in, in partnership with your with your TV broadcasters. But uh, that's over, and I would you know look back to May the fifth, and there was an earnings press release or an earnings report too. I wonder if sort of they, they looked at, well, well, let's get through the, these, you know, these important events in May and then, and then maybe she'll make the announcement. I don't know, but it, it's, that doesn't quite gel with no, no press release yet. But, uh, but then again, she's not, not the CEO, but, but Paul Levesque is uh, executive vice president and they felt 
comfortable sending out a press release about that. Um, I wonder if it is possible that we'll get an 8K. So an 8K is a SEC filing that companies publish, publicly traded companies publish when they have any significant material news to, to report. Uh, for example, in WWE's history, when, when Vince McMahon sold a lot of stock uh, to, to fund the XFL uh, a few years ago, there was an 8K filing. Uh, filed in, to, you know, to inform investors about this event. Um, if we get an AK today about this, I would think it comes out just after the close of the market. That's when most of these things do come out. Um, so I'll be, I'll be looking at my email box for my email alert around uh, 4, 4.30 or something like that later today. Uh, as we are recording this, it does not appear, appear that this news has had any discernible effect on the stock. Uh, yeah, it's stock just, doesn't just over $60. They have not reacted to this at all. And granted, this, this is definitely an apples to, uh, not an apples to apples comparison, but you know, when we saw the George Barrios, Michelle Wilson news, and granted that was two people leaving the company outright, major, major change. And this, um, th- there, there has been no effect at all. Right. And, Barrios and Wilson were m- more of the the investor, the, the face uh, t- to the investors. George Barrios is the one who was always going to media conferences and things like that, and it did signal, it did did end up signaling a big change in their strategy as far as what they were going to do with their network content. Um, but this doesn't seem to change strategy. It doesn't cause a lot, apparently, a lot of uncertainty for investors. You still got Nick Khan there, and I think as long as Nick Khan is there, investors seem to be pretty reassured. For Stephanie, when you look at this history, like here's someone born into this family and has pretty much been attached to this company from like her high school years, maybe even be- before that in, in, you know, you know, appearing in like the catalog and such, like very much tied to the business. And since graduating uh, university in 1998, a full-fledged member of this company, heading creative. Ever since her best friend was Andre the Giant, yeah. Her 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 best friend Andre the Giant, and then yeah. yes, her uh, graduating university the same weekend that Vince McMahon couldn't go to Slamboree to uh, beat up Eric Bischoff on pay per view. That was the conflict. <laughs> uh, he had to go to Stephanie's university graduation, and you know when when you have someone that this is a high stress situation for any individual, much less the daughter of the head of the company. I'm very curious about when she kind of takes her foot off of the gas pedal temporarily. She's 45. And what, what do you want to do with the next several decades of, of your career potentially and what this time off uh, means? Maybe it will mean nothing. Maybe this is just temporary. She comes back. But I think anytime you step away from something and you get away from the grind of it, you're naturally going to look at like what you want to do next and have that ability to look at kind of a, a larger view of of, of your career, of your life, and what what, what works for it. Yeah, it, it leads to a lot of palace intrigue and a lot of speculation. You know, I, and again, the the thing that I've heard just from, from W Media Relations is that it's nothing more than she's been working really hard for a really long time uh, and wants to spend more time with her family. Uh, it's, it's hard not to imagine that there's more to it. Um, she's been with W as, as an employee for decades, Um you know, there's, there's stories of how when, uh, people would, would, you know, so when they were kids and say that Shane was going to, is he going to end up running the company someday? And Stephanie would speak up. Um, and Shane has been out of the company as an executive since I believe 2009. Uh, and all indications for the longest time were that, well, maybe Stephanie and now with, we had saw that, you know, Paul Levesque, Triple H is emerging into this creative role. 
uh, with WWE that maybe maybe they're two of the people who are really going to lead this company someday, even beyond the the extent that they already do. Uh, but Stephanie taking a leave of absence here uh, doesn't align with what I imagine of a McMahon family member in terms of the reputation of these are people who work tirelessly all the time. And uh, I, I would have thought that she had the ambition to maybe become CEO of this company someday. That's not saying that she won't still. Uh, but this is uh, surprising news that she's taking a temporary leave of absence. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to imagine that maybe, you know, there were uh, political struggles within, within WWE. Uh, we know that, uh, you know, Triple H is no longer overseeing NXT in Orlando. NXT has clearly been revamped. His vision of what NXT was is no longer the vision for NXT. Uh, and there seem to have been political forces that were, you know, uh, working to completely rehaul NXT. Um, is that related to this? I have no idea. Um, is, uh, is WWE even going to be handed down to another McMahon family member after Vince? Uh, this makes me less confident, uh, to the news that came out yesterday. Uh, and then that leads me to wonder, well, if it's not, then are we getting any closer to, to M&A or to, to WWE being acquired or merged with another company? And, and NBC Universal continues to be the leading candidate. You, you've probably uh, listened to as many Stephanie McMahon presentations as anyone out there. How would you assess her effectiveness in that role very much as the, I, I would argue, like the, the public face of the company in many ways? Like Nick Khan does select interviews. Stephanie, not as many as kind of the peak when Barrios was out there quite a lot, but. Yeah. What, what I see Stephanie doing a lot on LinkedIn is these, I don't know what, what exactly they are, these sort of virtual conferences that yes. are, you have to register for them. So it's, I, I think you, you know, I've looked into this and you may, sometimes you have to not only just register for free, but you, maybe your company has to pay something. So it's sort of, they, they put a qu quite high barrier to entry, but she's doing a lot of that. Um, you know, she's maybe, done, maybe you should look into to these, uh, Brandon. Maybe that can be, uh, a, yes. a, another perk for you. Uh, select, uh, fireside chats with Brandon Thurston. Yes. It's a, it's, it's a, a forthcoming tier of the Patreon. Yes. Yes. Um, the elusive tier. Yeah. But you know, she's, uh, she's been somebody who, you know, I understand she has a communications degree. She's somebody who's very, very much seems to be associated with, uh, the, their, their public relations and how they want to message things. And, uh, you know, I've always been in awe of how Stephanie McMahon can, can say a lot of words and uh, not say that much, but it, but make you make you feel like she she cares and she's uh, paying attention, um, which is yeah. a skill like that is a, if you are in that position, that is a great skill to have yeah. and is one that many people in similar positions are are able to do very effectively and not be challenged at times on that. For sure. Well, um, yeah, that's it, it's a story that I mean, obviously, you're looking at the time frame and the way that this this tweet was worded is. It's an indefinite period when you're saying focus on your family. I mean, that's that's pretty open ended that you it's there doesn't seem to be like, hey, this is going to be a six month ish, uh, issue. Nine months seems like it. they may not even know what what time this is ultimately uh, going to take. But yeah, I just I, I am very surprised that it's such a significant executive within the company that we are left with a tweet, a tweet. And maybe that was uh, obviously uh, a strategy on their part. And the fact that. The stock has not reacted to this in any meaningful way. So maybe there is, there is a, not the same level of, uh, of urgency, at least from the financial community about a major executive, at least feeling the need to address this publicly as opposed to just quietly taking a leave of absence and not noting it at all publicly. 
Yeah. I mean, this is all, all we've heard. Um, and the, the stock doesn't seem to be moving. Um, but it's, it's not like it's, it's Vince apparently that who would, uh, who, Vince, who is so important that they, they put in their, in their risk factors that, you know, keeping and retaining his, his services are, uh, if they lost them, that would be, you know, a, de- a detriment to the company and might, you know, uh, might result in, in, uh, differences in their financial results. But, um, but yeah, I, and I've had people raise to me that, well, it's sort of a, I think like a fantasy booking thing at this point that will, is, is Triple H and maybe even Stephanie now, they're going to go start their own wrestling company. Um, I would think that the, at a minimum, the, if that was even something that, that was in the realm of possibility or the realm of their interest, that, um, they would have a, a probably a long non-compete, uh, if not from their, uh, agreement as executives, but from their, uh, involvement in board of directors, I would think they would have a lengthy non-compete if they wanted, uh, to do something like that. Um, but Stephanie does have, uh, about two and a half percent of the company stock. Uh, she is the second most, the, the second largest non-institutional shareholder. So there are financial institutions that have more to be stock than she does. But, uh, next, you know, behind Vince McMahon and well behind Vince McMahon, uh, who has about a third of W stock. Uh, she is the second largest shareholder. Uh, the value of her shares as of the, the market value today is about $116 million. So she's got over $100 million of market value if she wanted to liquidate her stock. Shane liquidated his stock. He, so Shane and, and Stephanie were both given, uh, in, my, in my scouring of SEC filings, it, it appears that uh, Vince and Linda gave Stephanie and Shane two gifts, two very large stock gifts, uh, over the years. Uh, Shane apparently has liquidated all of his stock, uh, and perhaps used them in, in his other political, uh, uh, activities. But, but Stephanie, uh, still has a lot of her stock and she, and her stock is class B. Oh, there it is. There's the chart. Is that the, that's, that's the old one. It's, there's an, there's a newer one. Uh, it's not on the website though, cause I haven't updated it. Uh, but there's a newer one on my Twitter. It's not very different though. This is, this is, this will, this will suffice. Um, they have class B shares, but because Vince had, so class B shares mean that they get uh, 10x the voting rights of every other normal shareholder. McMahon family members get 10x the rights because of the class B shares that they own. And, and, uh, because of the large number of shares that Vince owns, which are class B shares, he owns about 80% of the voting power. So Vince is, and for the foreseeable future, will be in control of this company. Yeah. And also worth noting that, that Stephanie McMahon, like Paul Levesque, they also have booking contracts with, with the company right. as well right. that just effectively roll over every year. But that's also figured into uh, her overall salary, even though her on-screen presence is virtually nothing at this point. But great gig if you can swing it. Yeah. I mean, they that gets disclosed in the proxy statement. We just had a proxy statement in April. Um, I don't have it in front of me. So I, I'm, but I, you know, it's like a, a hundreds of thousands of dollars that they get in a, what, what I think what we call a downside guarantee. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that, that's what, what uh, Triple H will probably be paid largely for his uh, entrances at WrestleMania this year. Yes. I know that this is you know the kind of story where you can just go off into many – lots of speculative territory. But I would say for, for Stephanie, like I'd be very curious at how she looks at – like in, in a non-WWE world, if she has any aspirations of politics or launching like her own media company. I, I don't think like wrestling is necessarily that, that – uh, that that post uh, WWE fantasy, but I mean, when you look at all the different like fellowships that she has done and the the, the name that she has cultivated in this community, it just makes you wonder like if they're she is certainly young enough that they're 
there could certainly be another act in her career if it is not uh, WWE. And that's yeah. philanthropy. Something in philanthropy seems like uh, something that would, that would be up her alley. Um, politics. I did see some people suggest maybe it's, you know, maybe she's following in Linda's footsteps here. Um, and I've, you know, I've, I've looked at the FEC records. I did, I did check yesterday just to see if there were any new FEC, um, campaign contributions that she had made. And there, there was, there was nothing new. Uh, she and, and, and Paul Levesque made some campaign contributions, uh, around the time that Linda was running for, her, she, Linda ran for Senate twice in Connecticut. Uh, and they, and they both made contributions to various Republican Party related causes uh, at that time, but nothing new. Then I, I, I would say, at least since 2015 and probably earlier than that, they haven't at least contributed to campaigns that have ended up in, in the uh, FEC record. Uh, so we will see what the, what the next chapter is. Maybe we will just get the uh, the Michael Jordan "I'm back" tweet. Uh, I'm slating for Stephanie's months. book. I was I was where, told, where uh, is Lady Balls? Lady Balls is going to come out. I don't know, quite a while ago now, probably like five years ago or something like that. And yeah, I think her and her and Paul Heyman's book and that that Max Payne documentary—they're all in the same kind of a uh, holding pattern. Uh, we'll I, ho- I hope she uses this time to write an, a, a very honest autobiography. I'd be uh, very excited to read that. Yes, yes, a, a Stephanie McMahon corporate uh, speech version of a book. I, I don't know that that would be a little challenging or. Uh, that would be tough, isn't it, Consist? That's that's tough. tough yes. uh, I wanted to get some of your action as well. Of course, we had the uh, the various upfront presentations this past week, uh, mainly centered around NBC Universal, Fox, and then the Warner Brothers Discovery presentation on Wednesday, and mm-hmm. all of the dissections of what what does this mean? What does a graphic of red velvet mean? What does the AEW representation or lack thereof at this presentation mean? Did you uh, put a lot of stock, a little stock, into Wednesday's presentation? Uh, again, it is one that I, I think you're you're kind of left with it. If if you want to argue either way, that that that's fine. But you, you have major takeaways from Wednesday. It means something, you know. I so let's take the WWE case first. Is that I think so? Who are the people? Who are the talent from WWE who who are there? The Miz, Bianca Belair, Roman Reigns, and Charlotte Flair. There are two of them to each network, right? And that signals to me that these are the big stars. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe there were others that could have filled that role too. But those are those are four people who they see as really big stars, and you know, in a world where less and less of, of less and less of the percentage of, of a company's revenue is coming from fans and ticket sales and merchandise sales and things like that, and more and more of it is coming from TV networks and other business partners, that that means a lot, and it's not as exciting to think about in terms of like who's going to main event WrestleMania. But I but I think that's those people are really valuable to them. Um, it's a uh, it's a uh, sort of more valuable than 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 the titles. Uh, that, that people wear. Um, and then the, the AEW, uh, or lack of AEW representation at the, at the Warner Brothers Discovery up front is, is, uh, conspicuous. It, I think it tells you that, um, especially if you contrast the two cases that the net, the you know, Fox and NBCU look at WWE as a much bigger deal to them than, mm-hmm. than Warner Brothers Discovery considers AEW, which aligns with, you know, sort of what I perceive as their, their respective, name ID and their, their brand recognition and culture. Uh, I, I did see there was a clip of some HBO show where somebody's referencing AEW and Roman Reigns recently, right? That's making the rounds on Twitter yesterday. Yes. Uh, I don't know what that was. But, uh, you know, AEW is a company that's only, what, three years old. Um, maybe they're, if they continue to run as a strong wrestling company, they will, they will continue to uh, and enter the everyday conversation. But they're far from a, a name brand and far from a household name. John Cena was there, though. 
Who's yes. the biggest star? Who's the biggest wrestling star in, in the Warner Brothers Discovery Universe? It's John Cena. That's, that's it. Two, two presentations he, he made on, on stage. He was there yeah. for Peacemaker and then f- uh, back for Wipeout as well. So, yeah, John Cena was the most prominent wrestling-adjacent figure at the Warner Brothers Discovery presentation on Wednesday. Right. And it's not, it's not a presentation that we saw publicly or that we could watch, but uh, there's there were people who were there, especially uh, media reporters, uh Stock analysts, I know, were there, um, and there's. Uh, if people haven't seen it, there's a there's a screen at some point of of various sports uh, f- figures, and Red Velvet is one. Um, there's like a clip of a moonsault, I heard, uh, but not beyond that, not much. Um, and I, I, I know uh, Dave Meltzer has reported that there was a lot of back and forth in terms of what AEW believed the planning was going to be, uh, as far as. It was, was, was their presence, was AEW's presence at this up from going to be a lot or a little? It went back and forth, and I heard that too. Um, and it ended up being not very much at all. It was on a Wednesday, so we have that excuse that, hey, look, we were doing TV in Houston that night. But um, considering but, how But to the, the NBC is, point, I mean, they, they got two talents there, and they were both on Raw that night. And to, to me, th- this would, would be something that I, I would break up my television if, you know, if Absolutely. the network wanted someone there. It's like, okay, we, we might have an angle for match tonight. We can certainly spare that. Um, Absolutely. When, when that's 50% of your revenue or more than 50% of your revenue, you can definitely send whoever it would be. Uh, I don't know if CM Punk. So, like, who'd you, who, who aligns with the, oh, P- those P- Punk walks out with uh, with John Cena. They talk about Wipeout. Then they move over to Dynamite, and, and the two of them are just up, up on the stage reminiscing yeah. about, about the good old days. And, and like you guys talked about before, you know, the, the announcement that Dynamite was going to be a show was something that was made at, I believe, the, the 2019 upfront. Yes. Uh, and there's, you know, it's an image that comes up a lot when I'm Googling uh, stuff. You know, there's these pictures of, of Tony Khan and Britt Baker and Cody and Brandy, maybe others, uh, at the upfronts. Uh, so they've definitely had a presence before, but not this time. And this is just after the merger, where there's other reasons to look at the relationship between AEW and its TV network as uncertain uh, because there's been a merger and that change, changes a lot of leadership. And we just heard that Brett Weitz, who was the, I believe his title was general manager uh, of the TNETs, TNT, TBS, and True TV, he's out. So. What does that mean for the future of, of AEW's uh, relationship with, with their their biggest TV partner? Um, you know, I, I've asked and somebody at, at AEW told me that, no, it's not going to be a big deal. So we'll see. And just to bring everyone up to speed on the on the timeline of the, the most recent uh, deal that they have, this goes through the end of 2023. And then we have the option year for 2024, mm-hmm. correct? And that presumably right. would be uh, a network call on the option year. That's my impression for sure. Yes. For all for all I know, that could have been renewed. Uh, the option could have been enacted already, but I have no idea. Could be mm-hmm. right. Well, it's obviously that's uh, a major story to to follow on, on both ends about the uh, the latest uh, media rights. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. 
Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. On Wednesday, Dynamite did a 922,000 viewers, so they were up uh, 10% this week, and this was going against the Golden State-Dallas game, uh, doing 430,000 viewers in the 18-49. to 49. Always a great breakdown by Brandon Thurston. Uh, I encourage everyone to check out the viewership the viewership spreadsheet uh, that WrestleNomics patrons get every week. Look at these these beautiful graphs of uh, yeah. week-to-week comparisons. He's quarter hours, too. Quarter hours are there, too. The quarter-hour breakdowns are there. Um, I, I looked at this as like very good going against a much stronger NBA game this week than last week. And as well, uh, the NHL is picking up in in the U.S. as, as well when you see uh, both of those NHL games um, yeah. finishing ahead of AEW. So the sports competition was much more significant this week uh, than last. And the fact is, AEW, they maintained their, their demo number and grew their overall audience. So I, I think... If you are Warner Brothers Discovery, um, that's that's a lot of real estate that you have in those uh, top eight cable properties. Yeah, they, they, they finish, as people can see on the screen, number seven among cable originals in the demo for the day. Um, that's a, that's substantially lower than they usually finish. Now there is a monster NBA game there, which did 2.2 rating, 6.5 million viewers. Um but, uh, you know, it's a lot of sports competition. They've been doing about the same demo number for four weeks in a row. This is all in this era where I think they've, without exception, in these recent weeks have gone against NBA playoff games and now going against some some deeper into the playoffs and NHL games too. Um, but but yeah, I've um I, I've I've talked with somebody who uh, used to work in TV about you know does does the the Brett White's exit uh, does that cast uncertainty uh, upon AEW um, and you know. This person's impression was that, you know, well, usually when you've got something that's doing good ratings, uh, which I, even though we, yes, we can compare AEW to, to WWE and certainly in terms of total viewership, uh, SmackDown, for example, is doubling anything that, that Dynamite does. Uh, but usually when you've got a, a program that's doing pretty good viewership, uh, everybody at the network, this person said, is, is an advocate for the program. So you have to look at it as if they're going to not renew AEW, then what's the strategy? What goes in its place? Um, and when we look at what was in the place of 8 to 10 on Wednesday night on TBS before Dynamite, before this year, and it was the Big Bang Theory. Um, and Dynamite is doing a slightly better demo rating, a few points better than, than what Big Bang Theory was doing in the same time slot. I did look at this, and I busted out the spreadsheets and ran the pivot tables uh, by a few points. Dynamite is is ahead. Um, Big Bang Theory would do something in the high twenty, you know, the high two point the low three point and uh, we're on the lower lower end of the range of what Dynamite usually does here with all the playoff games that it's going against. So you usually it does a little better. We'll see what happens when the playoffs are over with. Yeah, I. I think like the most telling is just some of these public comments that uh, David Zaslov, who's the president and CEO of Discovery uh, Warner Brothers, is you know I- indicating that we-, we are not going to be just throwing crazy money. Cost um, discipline. Yeah, those are words you don't want to be hearing if, if you're looking for for a renewal. So I I think that is uh, uh, certainly uh, concerning when you're looking at this this giant merger and they are looking to slash costs at at. at an alarming rate, it sounds like, and they are not just going with this idea of uh, loss leaders to build uh, 
theoretical streaming, uh, a giant streaming base of subscribers. It's they're going to be very disciplined with their spending. And you would have to think that if there's anything to loosen all the purse strings for, it's when their the NBA rights come up, and that will be where they put everything towards. And you know, hopefully there is a, a an AEW strategy, but I, I can't see that being uh, the priority over you know this disciplined cost structure that they seem to be indicating they are going towards. And, and, and cost discipline is something that Zaslav has talked about on earnings calls before this Netflix story unfolded where Netflix appears to be saturated. Um, certainly, l- looking at some of the Netflix data uh, recently, it looks like you could get the impression that in the, in the U.S.-Canada region that they report they were pretty saturated for a while. But on a worldwide basis, I guess that all plays into it because there are many of these streaming services are worldwide, are distributed worldwide. But um, maybe that throws sort of industry-wide uncertainty into the calculation about how much you're going to spend on on content here if if the the change in behavior maybe isn't going to be as complete as some people thought um and i i was you know tweeting yesterday too you look at the the tv viewership trends year over year and i'm even seeing uh i'm even seeing in, in 18 to 34 so young adults that seems to be leveling off on a year-over-year basis. Maybe that's misleading because the playoffs are placed in different months this year versus last year. But it's something to watch for in that, you know, it's been a really strong decline for 18 to 34 and uh, to a lesser extent for 18 to 49. We'll see how that plays out over time. I, I, you know, I'm starting to wonder if we're seeing sort of the normalization of some consumer behavior when it comes to watching TV and watching streaming in that, Maybe there'll be slow incremental changes over time, but uh, I don't know that I don't I don't know that we're going to live in a world where like TV becomes you know linear TV, traditional TV through the coaxial cable is going to become a thing of the past, and that these two different forms of media just become complementary to each other in some way. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, but anyway, it uh, the the notion that streaming is maybe not as big of an opportunity as some people thought does maybe re- reduce the, the extent to which major media companies are going to be willing to spend on content and maybe it reduces the opportunity that's there for wrestling companies if, if as, as Nick Khan has speculated, as, as I've speculated, that maybe there's an opportunity for WRAW to put some of their content on streaming, which mm-hmm. brings in more bidders, which maybe even brings brings the the, the bids up because maybe they're bidding higher because the the content creator sees that there's risk there because they're not getting the high reach, the the large audience. We're talking about something on a streaming platform that may be in 20 million households versus a major TV network that's going to be in about 80 million households. So that may change the it may change the potential to which these companies are are able to attract uh, high TV rights. Uh, that said, these are still very popular programs, both W and AEW, in the grand scheme of, of at least cable. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. Has Brandon Thurston uh, jumped onto the Drive to Survive craze yet? Have you have you given in to all of the no. all of the buzz that I, is out I, there? I feel like I should, as just as like us, just just to study it and to see what the big deal is and how everybody thinks they're going to copy it and and you know become almost as successful. It's a uh, it's it's quite the program. I don't think it's as easy as just snapping your fingers and you can copy this this uh, this format. I mean, it's uh, it, it's been revolutionary for F one, uh, but we will see what what an impact a big 
Uh, it's the Spanish Grand Prix on Sunday morning, Brandon. That's I, I, I think that there's a really exciting reality TV story to tell about WWE's uh, corporate picture right now. What's going on here? I, I, I hope they're filming. I hope it's uh, maybe that, that that would be their next big hit series, I think. Well, we are going to wind things down. Uh, Way and I are going to be back tonight with a rewind of SmackDown. And we've got the potential title unification match between RK Bro and the Usos on SmackDown from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I think more interesting will be uh, whatever handling, if at all, of the Naomi Sasha Banks situation, if the title belts are addressed, if anything is said on the program. And, you know, from all uh, reports, it was going to be Sasha Banks challenging Ronda Rousey at the next uh, pay-per-view. Hell in a Cell in two weeks, so you would, in theory, have to get another challenger uh, up and ready on tonight's show. So I think there will be some curiosity about how all of that is handled tonight. Meanwhile, on Rampage, it is the taped show from Wednesday night uh, featuring Red Velvet and Chris Statlander in the Owen Hart Cup. John Moxley, Brian Danielson, and his ankle will be taking on the ring apron, uh, accompanied by Matt Seidel and Dante Martin. Uh, Sean Spears will be taking on a giant, not the giant, but a giant. Scorpio Sky demands the return of the TNT Championship. The House of Black taking on Evil Uno, Preston Vance, and Fuego Del Sol, and a video of Danhausen and Hook uh, airing at 7 Eastern tonight on TNT. So uh, we will be live at 10 Eastern tonight uh, for members at postwrestlingcafe.com. And with this being a free show, if you would like to support postwrestlingcafe.com, we have uh, many bonus shows up, including... Going back to Thursday, Raw Thursday from February of 1997, Shawn Michaels uh, losing his smile and uh, diving deep into that entire segment. A really fascinating one uh, to look back at uh, 25 years later. So you can check out that as well as the latest edition of the Wellness Policy with Wei Ting, joined by Jordan Goodman, Eli, who was a, a tremendous guest, uh, chatting about comedy, the art of comedy. So a great show uh, to check out uh, that is free for everybody on the uh, both the Patreon feed and YouTube.com slash Post Wrestling. But the final word goes to Brandon Thurston. I am sure that uh, this could be a pack. I think you might hit the two-hour mark on Sunday. Maybe. This is a big, yeah, I, I, I don't big want to interrupt you. I didn't want to inter- interrupt you a minute ago. You're, you're doing that match rundown. That's, you're going to give Excalibur a run for his money there. Um, I know. It's, uh, I'm, I'm, that's why I got the... But double liquids here with uh, with water to get through the, the whole rundown. It's it's a yeah. lot. I, I sympathize for the man at the end of every dynamite. What what he has to tee up, especially around pay per view time. Yeah. Uh, so the, we'll be doing WrestleNomics this Sunday. Chris Gull will be back. Uh, we'll be talking about this. We'll be talking about the upfronts. And and uh, you always set me up to to do these these important plugs, and I should. Uh, but I'm like I don't know. I got I'll be building the slides today and tomorrow. Uh, but we'll be talking about all the, the, the news and wrestling business, uh, in the last, in the prior seven days as of Sunday. So that's on the post wrestling feed. It's on the WrestleNomics feed. It'll be streaming it live on YouTube at 11 a.m. Eastern on Sunday morning. Yes. And in my best Excalibur, patreon.com slash WrestleNomics, get the viewership spreadsheet, get the quarter hour breakdowns. Who is a draw? Brandon Thurston answers it every single week. Who is the draw? Acknowledge him. Brandon Thurston, check him out. Uh, always great to have you on, Brandon, for these discussions because it's. Uh, I, I feel these are some of the stories that people have the most uh, intrigue about. And this was uh, the, uh, a tweet that has left everyone asking the same question The Undertaker did when he abducted her in 1999. Where to, Stephanie? Where uh-huh. to? That is the big question. Yeah. That's going to wrap things up, everybody. Uh, thank you to Wei Ting for uh, pressing all the magic buttons behind the scenes and for Brandon Thurston joining me. We'll speak with you tonight on Rewind to SmackDown. And that concludes your post-daily news show.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.